Hello, welcome to the Battleground Project, an experiment in Christian localism. I'm C.R. Wiley. And I'm Max Booth. On this podcast, we hope to discuss local issues from a Christian perspective. And while these issues are specific to our little town of Battleground, we hope that you'll find them helpful wherever you are. Hello, welcome to the Battleground Project. It's uh, Chris Wiley here, C.R. Wiley, and Max Booth. We're back with you again. We've got another special guest. Uh, We're joined by Joe Kent uh, here in the state of Washington. Everybody knows who Joe is. He's made a a bit of a splash in our our area. Uh, He ran for United States Congress and actually won, but... <laughs> that doesn't mean anything in our uh, political environment today. It doesn't matter if you win. It matters who does the counting. Was, wasn't it? Wasn't it Stalin that said that? <laughs> yep. It's not who votes, it's who counts. Right, right. <laughs> anyway, I'm kind of tipping my hand a little bit on how I think about things, but it's great to see you, Joe. You too. So we've been together a few times, yeah. but uh, the folks in our audience may be new to you. Can, can you give us a little background on who you are and, and yeah. maybe your background in politics and stuff? Sure. Well, good to be with you guys, as always. Um, so I was the Republican nominee in 2022. To get there, though, I had to win a hard-fought primary. I took out Jamie Herrera Butler. She was one of the Republicans who voted for Trump's impeachment. Um, before that, I was a Green Beret for 20 years. I grew up in Portland, um, Portland 80s and 90s, I like to say, before <laughs> Portland kind of lost its mind. Was away in the military. I uh, did 11 combat deployments. Uh, did a little stint in the CIA as a paramilitary guy. Um, I had to step away from all that when my late wife, who was also in the military, was killed fighting ISIS in Syria. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of when I sort of transitioned away from you know being in the shadows and, and, and fighting our nation's wars to really starting to speak out about our nation's foreign policy. My wife was killed a month after Trump. Trump was uh, attempting to get our troops out of Syria the first time. Wow. So I uh, worked a little bit on the Trump administration, was going to go back and work on a second admin, work on the campaign. And then 20, 2020 happened with yeah. the lockdowns, the riots, all that. Yeah. I was moving back to the area at the same time. So really just kind of watching the, the Pacific Northwest implode. I, I yeah. felt a, a calling to get involved politically. Had no intentions of running for Congress until Jamie, who I had voted for because she was a Republican, voted for Trump's impeachment. And so that, that kind of yeah. flung me into a, a two-year journey to, yeah. to unseat her as the incumbent. And then we got really close close in the, the last election. Yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah, that's, and that's how we got here. Yeah. Now, now, you've got a couple of sons. I do, yeah. Yeah, and so, obviously, you need to be there for them. Yeah. That has been a part exactly. of the formula, too, I'm sure. For sure, yeah. Yeah. So, um, what have you been up to since the election? I know, I, I know <laughs> we, we were pulling hard to make yeah. sure that you won, and, the, you know, we were double-checking our ballots to make sure they had been counted and all yeah. that kind of stuff. I want you to know that my wife and I both voted for you, and, and our, our, they actually had counted our ballots, so we, oh, we good. know that. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. yeah. Well, the election, for I think for most people, they thought it was over November, whatever it was, the, the 10th or the 11th or um, or whatever, but our election drug on probably for another three weeks. We had a ballot-curing yeah. process there where we continued to gain ground. Uh, we can go over the ballot-curing stuff later yeah, on, because our sure. elections are kind of goofy here in Washington, so our election really wasn't resolved until just before the holidays because we went through the recount process as well. So yeah. took a little breather during the holidays. Uh, we kind of waited for the Speaker of the House uh, drama to kind of yeah. settle right. and then basically relaunched the campaign again. Yeah. Uh, we yeah. got so close. We're going we're gonna to do it all over again. So enjoyed a little R&R downtime <laughs> with the kids. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then basically it was like, well, I got, it got so close that I got to yeah. go back and finish the job. Well, I, I, I'm really glad you, you, you think of that way because, you know, we'll support you again. Thank you. And, uh, but anyway mm-hmm. – um, so obviously, you know, you know, Max, you know, when you go through something like this, it's got to be heart wrenching. You would think, right? 
I would think so. I wasn't the one who ran, and I was kind of like, it's <laughs> <laughs> heart wrenching for me. You know? Right, I remember, right. Maybe not quite losing sleep, but uh, I can remember a time my wife saying, "Enough already. <laughs> it's, it's over now." So yeah, yeah. yeah. So t- tell us a little bit about that side of it. I mean, obviously, you know, you're a guy that's uh, comfortable in you know high pressure situations. I've seen you in different public settings and that kind of thing. So you you, you got a you know an ability to keep your head in those situations. But there's got to be something going on inside even though you know during all that yeah you know at the end of the day you kind of um there's a certain point where you can put in all the hard work and then you kind of just got to put it in god's hands and know that hey you you left it all on the battlefield um you didn't leave anything to chance that's that's what we did we ran a really hard campaign so i was happy with the work that we did Mm -hmm. um unfortunately you know the results were what they were so i just had to kind of like rely on you know my faith in god my family still had that at the end of the day you know so i'm blessed regardless of of the outcome and then hey how can we fix it how can we make it better next time but yeah it was uh it was not fun going through the uh (laughs) the ballot curing process (laughs) and then the uh uh, and then the recount process. So, you know, we're in a, in a pretty, uh, I, I would say, uh, traditionalist conservative part of Washington. Like we people, are. when they think of Washington, yeah. they think of Seattle. Yep. When they think of Oregon, they think of Portland. Portland right? Right. And we know that the, there's a lot more to this part of the country than those two places. But those yeah. are the places people know sure. about. So, um, you know, what do you think happened? I mean, uh, you know, in terms of uh, yeah. kind of... Uh, what went into the, the, the process of defeating you? Yeah, I mean, I only lost by 2,600 votes, so yeah. it, it's a matter of uh, death by a thousand cuts. But I think the big, the biggest factors, and this is overall, I think, should be a good lesson for conservatives going forward, is that, like you said, this is a conservative part of Washington state. We're still about R plus five. The Democrats are not the majority of the district, but what the Democrats did a very good job of is getting ballots in the hands of the majority of their voters, whereas yeah. I would say that we, we fell short in that requirement. Um, and I think this kind of speaks to just the different mentality between Republicans and yeah, Democrats. Yeah. Democrats, are they're really focusing on the mechanics. This is why they run people like yeah. Joe Biden, like yeah. Fetterman, to a certain extent, the woman that I ran against who got yeah. up there in my debates and read off a note card. Yeah. Because really where they put their efforts in is getting ballots in front of people's faces and then getting those ballots counted. Whereas we say, hey, I'm going to come, I'm going to do podcasts, I'm going to do town halls, I'm going to do debates, and right, you know, right. I'm going to have the best ideas, and that's right. going to motivate people to go to the polls. And that works to a certain extent, but yeah. really, I think at the end of the day, those mechanics are really kind of what got the Democrats over the finish line. And it's something else that, that didn't hurt the Democrats at all was that we had that hard-fought primary. And our mm-hmm. primary is very, very late. So we had a very bloody primary. Yeah. Jamie was a popular representative. She represented the district for 12 years. So she had a lot of loyal followers who, yeah. when everything was settled in uh, in August, by mid-August, because we had to go through a long count process there too, yeah. and I was the official Republican nominee, there wasn't really enough time to mend a lot of those wounds that were yeah. inflicted during the primary. So we did not unify the Republican Party, unfortunately, going into the general. Yeah, probably just some folks stayed home, that kind of thing. And, and that too, yeah. It was a, it yeah. was a uh, midterm year, yeah. not a presidential year. So yeah. all of us that are deeply involved in politics, we're like, how could anyone miss this election? <laughs> but when I go out there and I talk to people, people are like, hey, have you had your election yet? And it's just like, hey, you know, it right, is what right. it is. If, if, if it's not a presidential year, there's a certain percentage, especially of really busy conservatives who have jobs and families yeah, right. and they're just busy. They're trying to keep their head above the, the water in this economy that uh, they're not going to get out and vote. And that's why it's incumbent upon us, I think, going forward to, to get out there and get ballots in their hands. 
hands. Yeah, I think this is uh, one of the conundrums of conservatism, and you see it everywhere, even in churches and denominations. Basically, uh, the conservative elements, say, in the Episcopal Church or in the Methodist Church, churches today that we consider mainline wacko, back in the day when they were just beginning to move in that direction, you had a lot of really solid conservative, Mm -hmm. you know, pastors who just wanted to tend their own garden and be left alone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if the liberals were tremendously motivated to like take control of those denominations and they did. So those guys are all about the machinery. You, you never hear about the Republican political machine. You hear about the democratic political machine. Yeah. <laughs> but you, yeah. Never, you never hear about So I I remember the the most brilliant move that I'd ever uh, kind of witnessed not in person but in terms of I I had some proximity to it. So like when I lived in Boston, I lived right down the street from the the pub where the democratic machine met. Do all of their stuff. It's the Erie Pub in Dorchester. And that was the pub that Ronald Reagan unexpectedly made an appearance at. Oh. Just came out, of, just walked through the door, there's President Reagan. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a boss, that's a boss move right there. I like that, yeah. <laughs> and they cheered because they were all kind of like secret yeah. Reagan supporters. You know, they, yeah. were, they were basically, you know, Reagan Democrats. Yep. And so today, if you go to the Erie pub, Reagan's picture is everywhere. Oh, wow. <laughs> so he just basically took over the headquarters of the Democratic machine. Genius. Anyway, yeah, Jesus, that's, that's, that's right. But anyway, anyway back, back to this uh, sort of uh, story here in our area. Now, uh, we've talked a little bit about, you know, what happened, maybe some things that could be changed. But, but our show uh, is about local issues. Mm-hmm. And you were running for... You know, United States Congress. Now, I know because of our conversations that you're also very knowledgeable about, you know, the state, about our local scene. How should we, as people who are trying to, you know, promote local healthy community, how should we think about our relationship to the feds, say, for example? What, 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 what should be our, you know, what should our mindset be? I mean, really, the Constitution, which sounds kind of like cheesy Republican answer. I mean, but there's a, there's a real there's a huge inclination, I think, with people to, to especially if you're running for office, you want to have an answer for everything. Sure. I mean, because if you're if you're trying to deliver for your constituents, you want to have an answer for everything. I think federal leaders need to get in the habit of saying like, hey, that's not in Article One, Section. Like, we're not supposed to be doing that. If the states mm. want to take care of a lot of these things, the states should, because Washington D.C. is three thousand miles away from Washington State, right? And so I think the more things like education, specific regulations with the EPA, these types of things that the federal government gets involved with, just the more, at best case scenario, the more inefficient they become. Worst case, they become corrupt, bloated, and just a massive waste of our money. But really, at the end of the day, I, I think the the economy, because that affects people. I mean, sure. here in, in Washington State, we have major issues with Olympia, which I'm sure we can get into. But what the federal government is doing, especially with our national debt, continuing to print so much money, continuing to keep our energy sector crushed and the gas prices high, you know, everything we saw with COVID, with the locking down of the economy, these, these are all actual federal issues. Yeah, um, yeah. Just, there's a state um, reflection there as well. Right. But those are those are big federal issues. And the same thing with crime and law and order. We have an open southern border. Everything is amplified, I think, X2 in Washington State because yeah. whatever damage D.C. does to us, Olympia kicks us once more, you know. Right. But, We're going to prove so that it, we're it even is more like the one, Yeah, it's like the one-two punch <laughs> right, in, in a lot of ways. But, yeah, right. I think really um, the big thing for us to try and do with, with, um, with conservatives is just really educate them 
on whose responsibility is what. That way, when we see the federal government saying, hey, we've got this great pre-K child care plan for everybody, yeah. and it's only going to cost X amount of dollars, right. we have this great health care plan, you can really be like, hey, that's that's nice, and maybe that's a good idea, but it's not in the Constitution. Like, what, yeah. what are we doing? Like, how much more is that going to put into our national debt? Yeah, I wonder, too, Joe, if, if maybe, um, you know, you're basically, you know, you're, say you're single uh, mother who is pushing 50, mm-hmm. maybe has a couple of kids. Mm-hmm. She She's kind of feeling vulnerable. She's yeah. kind of feeling, you know, uh, I, I think uh, in a place where she's looking for help. For sure. And when the when the feds come along and they make a promise to her yeah. and they say, we're going to take care of this, and then they hear guys like us sure. say, that's not the federal government's job. What they maybe take away from that is, mm-hmm. you know, Joe Kent doesn't care about me. Exactly. Right, right, right of course. <laughs> Chris Wiley doesn't care about yeah. me. Right. Yeah. You know, how, how, how can we re- respond to that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think by number one, making sure we have strong communities and we're building those communities, you know, from the ground up, making sure state government does what it's supposed to do. Um, but I, I do think there is a place for the federal government and even state governments to come in to help people, you know, like the woman that you said in, in that scenario, right. to help her out. Because everything at the end of the day goes down to priorities. Like the federal government takes in close to $5 trillion of our money every single year. It's yeah, a lot of money. However, they, and, and we don't have, and, and I think there is a, a case to be made for, hey, how come we can't help out that single mother? Yeah. How come we have people living under bridges in America, but we always, ha- always have hundreds of trillions of dollars to send off to the next foreign war? Yeah. I-, I think that that actually is a very legitimate concern. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I-, I am not a fan of, you know, universal health care. Yeah. However, when uh, folks like, you know, Bernie Sanders and those on the far left are like, hey, how come we spend so much money on defense, but we don't spend enough money on taking care of our people? I think there's a valid case there to be made. Yeah. I don't want the federal government to step in every single time, but I, I do I do support us having a, a social network, you know, of some sort that protects people. Yeah. We just have to do it in a way that isn't going to create this massive bloated system because all, like that scenario that you outlined, there's so many different federal programs right now that already exist to support her, but here's the deal. They're not. They're still taking our taxpayer oh, yeah, dollars. Yeah. It employs probably hundreds, if not thousands of bureaucrats right, that right. really just exist to justify their own existence, but is she getting the help that she needs? Right. I would say not. Yeah, yeah. I think that, you know, well, Max, you're in government. I mean, human beings are in government. <laughs> you're a human being. <laughs> So am I putting things too, I guess, negatively? If I were to say bureaucrats, just like businessmen, just like anybody who's, you know, trying to grow something, kind of measure their success by how many people, like, report to them? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everyone knows that's the wrong thing to say when you're in the government. Yeah. But the truth is the conversations that happen behind the closed doors, I mean, with, with all levels of government, as far as I've seen, that's the conversation that happens, you yeah. know, or someone talks about removing a regulation somewhere and someone says, oh, that means that person's job goes away. Right. right. And they might be torn. Well, we probably should remove that regulation, whatever it is. Right. But there's also like a person here with a family and we can't, if we can't fire them, we don't want to fire them. How do we preserve our budget to maintain our staff level? Yep. They don't, that's what they think of first. Sure. And... How how they get there and how we reverse that's another question. But. Well, I think that is I, that to me that's kind of the nut that we have to we have to chew on mm-hmm. uh, just because of that human element. Yeah, it's easy for us to take a look at bureaucrats. I mean, I look at you and I think, what a corrupt man. That's <laughs> <right>. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think here's a here's a regular guy. Yeah, likable guy. He works for a living. He puts in long hours. He's doing things that need to be done. He just also happens to be a government bureaucrat. Right. Right. <laughs> so. Uh, we can't just simply 
uh, say all government bureaucrats are evil. We have to understand kind of, well, these are people who show up to work every day. They have mortgages to pay like everybody else. Um, so if we say we need to shrink the government, maybe that, maybe that doesn't mean we're responsible for finding new work for all those people. But it does mean that we recognize there's a human cost uh, for this community. Obviously, those people, if they're likely uh, voters, they're not going to vote for a smaller government. Right. <laughs> much exactly. <of> the time. <laughs> yeah. Because they're basically voting themselves out of a job if they yeah. do. You know, so this, this is where this becomes really challenging. Which is funny, yeah. though. There's a disconnect there yeah. with, with, with the people that, people that I work with, and I'm sure in other government sectors, too. Many of the people I work with are staunch conservatives yeah. who, in every other area, think limited government's good. Yeah. Yeah. They would say amen to everything you just said. Yeah. I mean, your answer about saying get away from stuff that's not the federal government's problem, yeah. push that back to the states and wherever else, they'd agree with all that stuff. And then you say to them something like, Hey, we should probably do about half as much review and inspections on new construction as we're currently doing. And immediately they switch gears and go, well, wait a second. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and so that's, that's what right. that's there's a disconnect because right. they they would not the the way a building gets permitted currently, if if there was anything similar to that to get a driver's license or to buy a gun or to do anything else that they do on a regular basis, they all object. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No way. No way, right. no way. Yeah. And then flip over to the, to the area there. And this isn't just a building problem. It's no, every no. bureaucratic problem. But oh, yeah, in their I, area, I, they yeah. go. I mean, I saw the same thing. I mean, yeah. I, I am a proponent of us having a very strong national defense, but I think we can cut our defense budget. And if you say that in the Pentagon to a lot of my peers who have been in the military for 20 years, they're going to be like, what are you even talking about? We don't right. have enough money. They, they'll give you a laundry list of things that yeah. don't have money for. Right. And my answer to that is like, look, everything comes down to priorities. Like, we're not asking the bureaucrats to go and cut their own jobs, but this is why we do elect leaders. And leader, sure. leaders have to take in a wide variety of information from a wide variety of sources and then kind of make the best decisions to move the entire you know, U.S. Yeah, or whatever their scope is forward. Yeah, sometimes tough decisions. You know, yeah, very hard maybe decisions. Maybe not decisions. Yeah. It, it wouldn't cost me personally to cut the, the, the Pentagon's budget, but, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but it could cost uh, a number of people uh, a lot. Um, this reminds me of uh, kind of the, the oddity that uh, I'm familiar with that you just noted. Lots of guys on the East Coast. So I lived in Boston for years, got friends in New York. If you if you talk to people who are like um, cops or firemen, they're Trump supporters oh, yeah. largely. Mm-hmm. Um, but they vote the um, party line when it comes to union issues. Unions, yeah. Yep. And so a lot of folks don't understand that who aren't part of that world. That And just about every way, these are the kind of people you'd want living next door to you. They're good neighbors. Yeah. You know, they're hardworking people. <laughs> But they're voting for their paychecks. That's yeah. the way it is. And that's the way it is with the teachers as well. You know, when we think about the teachers' unions, um, yeah, there's a lot of freaky people in higher, you know, in, in public education, but there are also a lot of good folks. Oh, yeah, for sure. Know? Yeah. And this, so we need to have uh, polit- politicians who uh, are principled, but also have enough savvy. <laughs> this is the challenge. Also have enough sal- savvy to sell uh you know, these sorts of challenging policy decisions to people who are yeah. popular. Yeah, because I think the I think the bottom line is though that is that we have a lot of hard decisions ahead of us to make. Yeah, I I think the hard decisions have been like kicked down the road with like horrible financial decisions and just government swelling now for for decades. Right, and like this moment that we're in here, like if we don't deal with it, 
we're going to be facing an absolute disaster. So I, th I think we, we do have to do a better job of informing people like, look, I'm sorry. If someone's telling you that everything's going to be just fine, like they are lying to you. <laughs> like, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> we are going to do our best to like to stop the bleeding. Yeah. And that unfortunately is probably the best that we can do for right now. That eventually is going to take us into a better place. But man, especially when it comes to the size of the government and how much money we're spending at the federal level, like, right. we're right. out of control and there's no good options. Right. <clears throat> So we've talked a little bit about kind of more local stuff. Mm -hmm. So here we are in Battleground. Uh, we've got Olympia up the road. Yeah. What are your thoughts about what's going on in our state? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the big issues remain the inflation. I mean, when I go out and I talk to folks, even people who didn't even know there was an election in 2022, it's like they, they probably didn't know there was an election in 2022 because they were working. Yeah, they were working right, really, right. really hard right. uh, to just stay above the water because everything continues to get more and more expensive. So I think inflation's huge. And like we get the one-two punch here in Washington State. A big appeal of living in Washington State for a while has been our income tax. And yeah, Olympia yeah. is doing everything they can <laughs> to either give us an income tax or add on enough taxes that we might as well just have one. Yeah. Um, so I, I think the economy continues to be a big issue. Crime is another massive issue. I mean, there's the, the border issue, and I think every town has essentially become a border town to include Battleground, to include Vancouver. I-5 is right over there. Portland yeah. and Seattle are sanctuary cities. Oregon and Washington are sanctuary states. So the massive uptick in crime that we've yeah, seen yeah. from the incompetency of the Biden administration, that's affected us. But then again, back to the one-two punch, last October we had uh, the Democrats in Olympia basically decriminalize crime. And so now yeah, we're not only are we opening move. up prisons, we're making it so that the cops can't go out and do their jobs. Right. We saw petty crime and violent crime absolutely skyrocket. Yeah. So th those, I think, are some of the, the most major issues. There's a slew of insane things they're doing in Olympia right now. The, the what domestic, are one or two of them that yeah. do say, watch out for this? The domestic extremism bill. Um, I forgot the, the number, but essentially it, it's it's going to give the government in Olympia the ability to label basically whoever they think yeah. um, who, as dissenting from what they want you to think as right. a domestic extremist. Right. And so with that's going to come red flag laws, with that's going to come additional scrutiny from law enforcement. It's it's yeah. very 1984-ish sounding, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's got a good chance of actually passing. Same thing with the slate of uh, gun control bills that they want to pass up in Olympia. The most recent, the magazine uh, limitation yeah. So they're just gradually infringing upon our Second Amendment rights. Um, is there any hope of reversing any of this stuff? I mean, is there any positive momentum in any place that you can see? I don't think most of it will hold up in the courts. So I, I think we're going to need activist groups to get out there and to sue. Oregon is a really good mm -hmm. example. Oregon passed a, a horrible anti-gun bill, um, and it's immediately gotten thrown out in the Oregon yeah. Supreme Court because some gun groups went and actually brought it before the court. That's great. The That's court. great to hear. That's, yeah. a, it's, it's unfortunate even still. I'm glad that it won't hold up in the courts and hope that that will work out. Yeah. But there's still a sense in which that's kind of like shifting the conversation. Yeah. All right. You know, 10 years ago, you could just debate about whether or not you'd even put a law forward. And now they're going, yeah, we know this isn't constitutional. Right. We're putting it forward anyway. We're going to make you a criminal first, and then you prove to me why you're not a criminal. Right. right. I mean, right. And they barrage you of so many different laws. Yep. I mean, Biden's trying to do the same thing with the assault weapons ban that he wants to push. The ATF pistol brace, it's the same thing. It's like this legal firearm and accessory right. that you purchased, like now if you don't pay them $250, like you're suddenly going to be labeled as some sort of a some yeah. sort of a felon. So Yeah. So when it, when it comes to these sorts of things, um, I wonder how much of this is window dressing on, for the left. In other words, this is something that mm -hmm. uh, is intended to get a lot of eyeballs, yeah. uh, make certain constituency happy, mm. uh, distract a different one, if you know what I mean. Mm. Uh, yeah. So, you know, we're kind of... And I think legitimately so, focused on fighting this. Mm -hmm. But are they kind of 
you know, saying, watch the birdie over here, and then doing something over here under the table. Yeah. <laughs> that's, I mean, you do have to watch it for that. So yeah. A good example of that, I would say, is the way that they're emptying out a lot of the sex offender prisons, especially mm. the one on uh, Mc, McNeil, McNeil Island, out there in the Puget Sound. Holds this the worst is why I want a gun. Yeah, you know, this, is, this is why you want a gun, but they want to take away the gun. So, so they're right. they're having a lot of these long-term career sex offenders and pedophiles. Yeah. They're moving them out of this island, which is a perfect place for them if we if we can't uh, yeah, do away with them. With, with otherwise, plenty of sharks. Let's put the let's put them on, let's put them on an island in Puget Sound. Works for me. But they want to get rid of those prisons and they want to start putting these people into release homes. One of them is actually up in the district in Tenino. So they they took a rural town, a rural red town, in a blue county of Thurston County, and they said, "Hey, we're going to stick some of these most violent." pedophiles here in a house. They literally have bought a house uh, through a private company that the state's going to hire, and they're going to have somewhere between, I think, five and ten career pedophiles live in this house on some form of a work release. So where is this being talked about? Obviously, you know about it. This is the first I've heard of it. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, really, this is being talked about with local activists only. I mean, we, Tonino's in our district. I had a lot of support up there because rural Thurston County is like battleground. Mm-hmm. And so we had people reach out to us and say, hey, did you know this was going on? And yeah. I, we looked around on the internet for it. And we found like one article about it. Wow. Uh, luckily, the Thurston County Sheriff, he's, he's taken it upon himself uh, to, to, to lead the way on that. So has all the Thurston County uh, local, I'd say the local Tonino government as well are fighting it. However, the state is basically not even showing up to debate. So we went up to a town hall where the state was invited to answer questions from the residents who are going to have to deal with this house being there, the state refused to show up. The sheriff offered to provide security and everything. The state said, no, we, we deem it's too much of a security threat. We can't, we can't schedule it right now to come talk to you, you people. <laughs> right, and right. so, I mean, that's, it, it's, it's hard to find. So how, how wow. are they even justifying it? Is, is it just uh, comp- we need to be more compassionate? Is it more we need to cut some, some budget here somewhere and this is where we're going to do it? Is there any logic to it? I mean, for the most part, all I've seen from the state is like, we're doing this. Sorry. Um, That's more or less been their answer. I think most of them will say that, hey, these guys have served their their incarceration sentence and this is their their work release and we're putting it in a a controlled environment. So we're actually going, you know, one step beyond what we're required to do. But if you look at the rap sheets on these people that they're talking about releasing, this is not uh, the example that the Thurston County Sheriff gave. He said, this is not the guy who got drunk one night and took a leak behind an elementary school and and now he's in trouble. These people are violent career sex offenders and pedophiles. Right, so right. it's the whole thing is really just very top down. And then they won't yeah. even come answer questions about it. Wow. Hmm. Wow. So what could a say a person in Battleground or this community do beside what's already been done? Is there anything that we can do to So a great recommendation we got from some of the, the local activists up there who caught this is they started looking at every single property and house in their area that went for sale and they started doing research on who was selling it and who was buying it. That's how they caught this. They wow. caught this that hmm. this, that a, a state contracted uh, organization, a private company, was buying this house, which which tripped them off. They're like, well that's kinda weird. Yeah. Why is someone just buying this fed that why is a company buying this five-bedroom house. They did some research and they eventually peeled back the onion enough. So this was really just done by local concerned citizens. So that's something to be on the lookout for is what's happening in your neighborhood, who's buying up these homes. Because Tonino is not the only place the state uh, is doing this. It's the only place in this district so far. There's some some spots out in eastern Washington. They're attempting the exact same thing. Wow. Wow. We need our own version of the Central Intelligence Agency. We (laughs) We really do. We have to run our own intel. Yeah, we we do. Yeah, Yeah, that's, that's so wild. Um, Crazy. Yeah, yeah, it is. So, you know, we've kind of, uh, uh, you know, addressed, I think, in a, 
in a kind of indirect way, the fact that, you know, you're a believer and, yeah. you know, you're concerned about exercising your Christian faith in the political realm. Can you re- just reflect a little more on that uh, with us? You know, w- one of the things we want to do with this particular podcast is just help people see, uh, you know, the wide variety of ways that Christians can make a contribution to their local community. Now, it doesn't, you know, I think if you were to ask your typical you know, Christian layperson, you know, how do you help your community? I'd say volunteer in vacation Bible school. And that's right. great. <laughs> All for that, you know. Yeah. Uh, maybe uh, volunteer in the soup kitchen or something like that. Yeah, yeah. But we'd like to kind of expand that to say, okay, every sphere of life, even politics. Yes, especially <laughs> politics. What? <laughs> yeah, especially, please. Yeah, especially yeah. politics. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about how you think about that. You know, uh, I, I think about it that if we don't get involved as Christians, if we if we don't get involved in the way that our country is being ran, um, we will be completely, totally taken over by, I mean, not just an atheist government, but by a government that is openly uh, at war with Christianity, with people of faith, with the family unit, with sexuality, yeah. Unit, yeah. anything yeah. that we thought was normal that was never going to be touched um, mm. 10, 15, 20 years ago. All of that's on the table right now. I mean, we didn't even get into what Olympia is doing with the kids, mature, minor, gender transitions, all that. I mean, Biden talked about that in his State of the Union address. Yeah, he was yeah. tweeting, as we had a Chinese spy balloon over our country, Biden was tweeting about how we need to protect transgender children, you know? And right. so that's just the language they use to make yeah. this very, very normal. So look, I mean, call to action for Christians. We, we've got to get involved. And here's the thing, like this is a conservative Christian district, I would say, by yeah. and large, not yeah, everybody. So, sure. However, I would say a lot of folks here go to church. Yeah. Everybody yeah. who went to church voted, and they yeah. voted in accordance with their faith, and they went and had these hard conversations with the people that are on the ballot. Yeah. We're, we're going to be able to take back our community. We're going to be able to take back our country. Right now, the Republican Party, I would say, is the standard bearer for you know Christianity and traditional American values. Unfortunately, the Democrats just aren't there anymore. Like they yeah. are, they are they have completely moved into this. I don't even know what do you call it? Secular? Do you call it satanic? I, yeah. I mean, a, a lot of it. A lot of it yeah. is just like they are worshiping right. the devil. I mean, I, I don't know a better way to well, say I that. I mean, correct, when you yeah. talk about the sexualization of children, I don't know how else to classify it. So for me. Yeah. I always thought of uh, my calling of serving my country was also serving God because at the end of the day, I think America, we're the best hope for humanity. And that's the way I felt when I was, you know, fighting overseas. Yeah, it yeah, got kind of murky uh, as yeah, we sure. went to war for different reasons. But now that the fight, I think, is, is very much back here, it's, it's our job to get out there and just not be ashamed. I mean, if someone's not a Christian, I don't have a problem with that. At the end of the day, I'm an American nationalist. I, sure. want, I want to fight for every single American out there, sure. whether you're a believer or you're not. Yeah. But the Judeo-Christian underpinnings, the faith that brought our, our founders to, to fight the revolution against the British and to right. give us this country, you know, it, it's founded on faith. It's founded on the American family. And if we continue to stray far away from that, we're going to lose our nation. Yeah, I, I, I can see it. I, I lived in, I think I noted earlier that I lived between Harvard and MIT for about a decade. Yeah. And I remember one uh, Jamaican woman who was part of the church that I served. Uh, she was a marvelous Christian lady and volunteered in the Cambridge Public Schools. And this was by 1995. She came and told me one day uh, after church that she was no longer permitted to refer to her husband uh, at the school. In other words, not even in just sort of like conversation. <laughs> she was only, she would have to refer to him as her spouse or her partner. Interesting. Yeah. And this, oh. and this was primarily because there were so many people living, you know, uh, alternative lifestyles right. in the, in the, and they didn't want anybody to feel left out. Right. And I remember coming away from that conversation thinking this is uh, kind of an early 
kind of um, sign of what's to come for the country at large. Yeah, right. And I would say that to people, and they'd all say, I'm, you know, overreacting, I'm an alarmist. And, yeah. And I'm like, now, this is one of those moments where you wish you weren't right. Right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I say I was right, you know, yeah, I was right. Yeah. I, I wish I was wrong, but I was right. Yeah, and and uh, it gets worse because, uh, like as you note, uh, this doesn't just stop with stuff like that. It, it doesn't. Goes, it moves on to scarier and weirder stuff all the time. Well, to think about having the conversation about how do we classify the sexualization of children? Yeah. To think about having that conversation at all. Yeah, ten or twenty years ago. It's, it's, yeah, it's insane. The yeah. fact that you're going like, well, how do we classify this? Well, ten years ago or twenty years ago, people don't classify this. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> we arrest people. You, 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 know, you, want to talk to, like, you want to talk to kids about that stuff? Yeah, it's kind of <laughs> right, like yeah, right. classify. And so that that just is a yeah. huge indicator of like how right. far that's come down the road from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Joe, we know you've got some plans for the future. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. tell us what what's next in your life. We're we're basically just. Kick the campaign off again, so we're we're running again in uh, in twenty four. Mozzie's here, so yeah, we're right back at it. Yeah, really, kind of like Groundhog's Day a little bit. I mean, we're twenty twenty three. We're just really trying to work on our ballot harvesting strategy. Yeah, um, doing as many events with the Republican Party as we possibly can. Again, my my door and my phone's always open. I want to get out there and talk to folks because there's a lot of folks um, who didn't vote for me who voted for other Republicans on the ballot. Um, we know we've got that deficit to kind of make up, and then also to to unify the Republican Party. So that's a big focus. I got do the fundraising and all that other stuff. Uh, so it's a big, it's a big lift to run for to run for Congress, especially against an incumbent. I've done it once before. Yeah. I've been successful once before. I'll be successful right. in uh, in twenty four. But that's yeah. why we're getting the early start. Great, great. Yeah. Well, we're, we're Max and I are on your team. <clears throat> Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So. Uh, we've got a presidential election coming up. Yeah. Too far down the road. Yep. I, I know you're a Trump guy. Oh, yeah. So any thoughts on what's going on with that? Yeah, I mean, we haven't seen everybody who's going to jump in yet. I mean, so far, if Nikki Haley and these types keep jumping in, it looks pretty good for President Trump. <laughs> I mean, obviously, the big the big thing is, yeah. is it going to be Trump versus DeSantis. Right. Um, for, you know, my race, this the Republican primary comes up in March. And so it's going to be well settled by the time our, our race gets really, really hot. So I'm going to support whoever the Republican nominee is. I am a Trump guy. If you look at everything that's happening on the world stage— right now. We need a president who is not yep. a novice to foreign policy. And we also need a president who can look at the military industrial complex, the intelligence community and say, I know that you're full of it. I'm going to go a different direction. If you look at the foreign policy under the Trump administration, we had no new wars. Yeah. We had a relative period of peace. There was some strife to get through at first with the, the fight against radical Islam, mm. with the ISIS fight. But at the time, China wasn't completely running out of control. We, we were beginning to get the whole issue we have with China and our trade imbalance and how much we're deeply entangled with them. That was starting to be to, to be brought to heel. Same thing with Russia, same thing with North Korea. President Trump understands foreign policy at a level that, like, quite frankly, we can't afford to have a foreign policy novice in right there. So for me, almost almost 100% on foreign policy when it comes to selecting a commander-in-chief. That's why I support President Trump. Yeah, so it's, in, my, in my mind, this is the choice. You can have mean tweets and peace. <laughs> exactly, right? yeah. or war and and yeah. a, a nice, or, or a nice <laughs> yeah, and a nice presentation, right? Yeah, as as the nukes fly, Joe Biden. Can... <laughs> you have nice and scare quotes though, and nice. <laughs> well, you know the. Yeah, I think I've told you the the etymology of the word nice means stupid. Uh-huh. <laughs> it actually does. If you, if you just do you know do a Google on etymology nice, it actually meant stupid. Okay, yeah, <laughs> like, a, like a simple yeah. man, right? Yeah, right, nice right. man was a simple He's a nice man. Guy. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. yeah, that's right. Anyway, um, we should uh, kind of wrap it up here. But, Joe, is there anything you want to say as we do? I mean, is there anything you want to, like, leave us with? 
I mean, I think the big thing is if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably a conservative, you're probably a Christian. We need to do better at getting our people out there to vote. So yeah. talk to your friends, talk to your neighbors, have the hard conversations. Um, there's going to be municipal elections here in the fall of 2023. They're very, very important. Mm. Yeah. This is school board. This right. is the stuff that you don't think about that probably right. regulates your daily life way more than anything that I, I'm going to be able to do in Congress. And then come 2024, we've got to win up and down the ballot. So people have got to get active. If you're not registered to vote, get registered to vote. Go to my website, joekenforcongress.com. Need any kind of support people can give, obviously, but then also just come out to an event um, and then bring your neighbors and friends. Yeah, that's great stuff. I just bought a house here in Battleground, so I'm now supporting the public schools here. By the way, <laughs> if, if you own property and you pay property taxes, you are uh, involved in public education whether yes. you want to be or not. 100%. Mm-hmm. And you have a right to speak out because you're helping to foot the bill. And that's something I think that's lost on a lot of people. And I don't yeah. think most folks uh, in public education want you to know that. <laughs> no, they don't. Right. They yeah. just would like they to don't. just, you know, be kind of a line item on the town budget yeah. and just be kind of invisible. Yes. And then be beholden to the Department of Education in Washington yeah. and have to do whatever they're told to do by them. Yeah. But anyway... But thanks, Joe. Yeah, thanks absolutely. for coming on. It's been great to thanks see you again. Me. And uh, yeah. we'll uh, have you back some other time, I'm sure, down the road. Definitely. Kind of get closer to Election Day and that kind yeah. of thing. Anything you want to say, Max, as we wrap up? All right. Thanks, Joe, for coming out. Yeah, thanks for having Great me. conversation. appreciate it. Good stuff. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, as uh, maybe folks who have listened to our last episode know, this is only the second of our episodes uh, at, that we have recorded, but uh, we're going to be recording a few more and then doing a big launch for the podcast. But uh, if this is your first time listening, uh, subscribe and uh, go ahead and uh, share the news about our show with other folks, The Battleground Project. It's entitled The Battleground Project, but that doesn't mean that the things we talk about here are irrelevant to anybody outside of Battleground. I mm-hmm. think it's basically... Uh, we're intending this to be a show that uh, addresses the local issues here, but also is a show that people in places around the country can relate to because mm-hmm. similar things are happening in those places too. All right. All right. Bye-bye. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>